Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And today's our book club. We're so excited about the conversation around this book. So we have a great book. We're talking about How Could She by Lauren Meckling. And then we also have a guest. We have Carly with us. Yeah. So in case you don't know her, Carly is also a blogger and a huge reader. And so we invited her here to talk about this month's book with us. So before we dive in, this episode is brought to you by Night Pillow. So I am such a tough sleeper, and I literally can't sleep without my pillow. We're going to tell you more, but if you want to try it yourself, go to discovernight.com and use code BOP20 for 20% off. So let's talk about us for a minute. Yeah, I see we have the same high. I put mine in first. You stole it. I know. I'm sorry. (sighs) Our high was, you guys... This week, we had drinks with Christina Lauren, which is two people. Um, They are one of our favorite romance authors. Love in Other Words is still like one of the best books I've ever read. We're like huge, huge fans. Yeah, I was so starstruck to meet them and also come to find out they're legitimately lovely people. And they're legitimately like best friends, which is so cool. Yeah, it was like it was a great moment for me. I've been reading their books for years and years and years. Yeah, they're so great. It was really cool. That's like one of my favorite things about this podcast is like getting to meet some of our heroes. It's been so neat. I know. I see you have another high. Yes, my other high is I. it sounds like so bad. I'm just so obsessed with Orange Theory. I'm so happy that I found this workout. Like it's been really challenging to find something that I love that is also like really hard. And like they have – I'm going to – we're recording in advance, but I'm going to the one in Atlanta. And I feel like this is something that I can really stick with and um, really enjoy. I'm glad for you. Yeah. I love that they're all over the country. Yeah. I didn't know they were such a big thing. Like, I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm going to try this thing. There were so many of them. I think it's a franchise. It's a really big – they have a ton of locations. Yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah. I just didn't know. Oh, well, now you do. Yeah. And I love it. Well, so Grace, you stole my high, so I don't have anything else to add. What is what's your low? My low is I'm just very sore, like so sore, and I thought I was going to fix it by going to yoga, and that made it worse because there was like we did tons of lunges yesterday in Orange Theory, and there was tons tons of lunges today in my yoga class, and I was just like a jellyfish. I had to lay down and take a break. Well, I mean, that's how you know it's working. I kind of like sometimes when you're really really sore. I mean, it sucks if you have things to do, but yeah. I feel like I, like, have to pack and, like, clean my apartment and, um, like, take all the trash out and recycling, and, like, I don't want to move. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Um, I'm very stressed about health insurance right now. So I quit my job, my full-time job, in May of 2018, and I've just kind of been coasting along on COBRA since then. Oh. And it's expensive. I think I pay $750 a month. Cobra's very expensive, but at least it's like good coverage. It's the same coverage that I had when I was at my job, and it's easier than dealing with it. Yeah. But open enrollment starts November 1st, and I have to figure out health insurance for next year, and I'm very stressed about it. It's really stressful, and it's really expensive. It's really hard to navigate where I went on the Affordable Care Act page and then it sent me to to a New York page and then I I was on Oscar and I just don't know what I want. Yeah. And so I feel like I need to send out an email to all of my friends who 
work for themselves and be like, what do you do? And then kind of figure it out that way. But if anyone knows of any articles or podcasts or anything that I can listen to to get smart on this, I would very much appreciate this because I set myself a calendar reminder and I started to dig in and I was like, oh, wow, this is this is not great. All of the insurance options are kind of crummy. Yeah, I have Oscar and I don't think it's great. Like, Yeah, they're all very high deductible. Mm-hmm. I have like their medium plan and it's fine. Like I don't have a lot of issues or anything, but it's so expensive. Yeah. So I'm very stressed out about health insurance. I kind of just, I don't know what I thought. I I don't know if I thought it would be easier. I just thought there would be more resources out there of people who had outlined, you're a freelancer. Here's how to deal with health insurance. And I haven't found very many good resources or articles. Interesting. I have I, I just signed up for Oscar blindly and was like, all right, cool. This is what I'm going to do because all my friends did it. But Well, I have a few weeks, so in search of any info, and I have a browser tab minimized with like 8 million tabs open of things to read. So Okay. Well, keep me posted. I'm curious. Oof. Well, yeah. before we get to Carly, though, I just want to do a quick plug because we have two – live shows coming up. Yes. We have one in uh, New York on Friday, November 1st. Super excited. And then we have one on November 6th in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Super excited. Yeah. So we can't wait for those. They're going to be so much fun. We'll have already announced our guests. So be sure to check out Bad on Paper podcast on Instagram. You'll be able to see all of the different guests for the shows. And yeah, grab a ticket. Go to badonpaperpodcast.com slash live. And if you live in a city where we're not going and you're sick of hearing about us, this is the second to last week that you have to hear about it. Exactly. And then we'll start begging you for reviews again in, in Apple Podcasts. <laughs> We're always going to do something annoying. Sorry. It's a it's a tip for tat kind of thing. Yeah. I'm singing that song from Chicago in my head now, the Mama song. I don't know what song that is. Oh, it's like, if you're good to Mama, Mama's good to you. Okay. <laughs> this got really weird. Okay. So be good to Mama and we'll be good to you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like we give you content, you give us reviews. Yes, it's a That's circle of life. That's how system works. Exactly. Anyway, let's chat about this book with Carly. Hi, guys. So today is our book club, and we are joined by a very special guest. We have Carly Heitlinger from the from Carly the Prepster. I almost said the college prepster because that's her old blog Rest name. Rest in peace. <laughs> yes. And we are talking about How Could She by Lauren Meckling. We're so excited. We have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts, but I'm also super honored. I love talking about books. I love Grace. Becca, you're a new friend to me, but I'm just so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. You have been like every time I I do a poll with my audience for who we should have on, you are one of our top requested guests. I do think, though, that you and I have an overlapping audience. We do. Even though I think we're quite different in a lot of ways, I think we also have some similarities. Like We're definitely more on the introverted side. Mm -hmm. We've been doing it for a similar amount of time, and we yep. also love books. Yes. Well, we both have really cute pets. Yes. Oh, yeah. I saw your dog on your Instagram when you were leaving, and I wanted to be like, bring the dog. But oh, that would have yeah. been a whole other level of distraction. It would have – I mean, my dogs are not chill. <laughs> they're not chill dogs. I wish I had a lap dog. I regret not yeah. getting – they're wild. Oh, they're so cute, though. Okay. Let's dive into the plot of this book so that we can talk about it. Yes. yes. Let's do it. And okay. – Sorry, guys, but tomorrow Carly is coming back for a bonus episode. And we're going to talk all about her life. Everything. Everything. 
It's going to be nothing's very off, <laughs> nothing's off limits. Nothing's off limits. <laughs> I feel like this is a promo for 2020 now. I know. Oh my god. Okay. So let's dive into the book. Okay, so this book follows three friends who met working at a magazine in Toronto in their early 20s. Now, in their late 30s, they're still friends, but they've all gone in very different directions in life. So first, there's Sunny, and Sunny is an artist and an influencer who, by all appearances, is living her best life in New York with her husband, Nick. Then there's Geraldine. Geraldine is 37, and she's feeling really stuck. She's still at the same magazine. She's living in an apartment that she's subletting in from Sunny. Um, She's just broken off her engagement and she is still living in Toronto, but she's decided that moving to New York is going to be the solution to all of her problems. Lastly, there's Rachel. Rachel lives in Brooklyn. She's married with a young daughter and she's really struggling to have it all. So she's released four unsuccessful YA books, but still works part-time as a magazine editor to make money. So Geraldine's really the connecting thread in the group. Outside of her, the other two women really don't get along. So Rachel is incredibly jealous of Sunny, and Sunny doesn't seem to realize that Rachel exists. So Geraldine makes a trip to New York for what is not exactly an interview when um, in the course of meeting the person interviewing her makes just like this offhanded comment that podcast is the only thing that seems to be growing um, within media. So Geraldine decides that she's going to move to New York. She has no job and she's just going to figure everything out. So she moves in with Jeremy, and we need to talk about this in the discussion because I thought this was interesting, but she moves in with Jeremy, who is a little bit like in love with her and is a mutual friend of Rachel and Sonny's. But as she moves to New York, there's a rift between her and Sonny and Rachel. So in the midst of her moving, Rachel and Sonny kind of strike up a friendship over trying to keep Geraldine away from her ex, Peter. So they don't tell her, but she sees that they've been hanging out because they're tweeting at each other and they've been going places with mutual friends. And she's really mad that they're finally friends after all these years, and she's been caught in the middle of them not liking each other. And she's mad that neither of them have mentioned that they're friendly now. I thought that was funny, but we'll talk about that in the discussion. (laughs) Um, So post-move, Geraldine's having trouble finding work within the publishing industry, which is mid-collapse, so that's not really very surprising. She's also backsliding and talking to her toxic ex, Peter, again. So she's unable to find work. So she decides that she's going to start this podcast with her friend, Sylvie. So they end up selling the distribution rights to the parent company of Cassette, which is the magazine where both Rachel and Sunny work. And suddenly... Geraldine has gone from being on the bottom to the one who's really thriving in her career, while Rachel and Sunny flounder. Cassette, the magazine that they both work for, is folding. Rachel's writing Ra- Rachel's writing a new book about sexy monsters trying to create a mainstream hit. And most of Sunny's projects have been backburnered, and she's really starting to flounder creatively. So meanwhile, Sunny's having problems in her marriage, and she runs into Rachel's brother at a party. And afterwards, she makes up an excuse to see him again, and soon the two of them are having an affair. And the affair really highlights how unhappy she is in her marriage, and she ends up leaving her husband. Meanwhile, Rachel's laid off, and she's really, really gunning to make this next book a success. So the problem is that the offer she gets is not as good as she's hoping for, but her husband gets a great offer from a new job, only it's in Toronto. 
And Rachel desperately does not want to move back there. So everything kind of comes to a head between the three women at a Canadian Thanksgiving party that Sonny throws. So Rachel is pressuring Sonny to tell Geraldine that back when they all lived in Toronto, that Sonny had slept with Peter, who is Geraldine's ex, a handful of times. This is also a hot mess. <laughs> and Rachel thinks that Sonny should tell Geraldine because it seems like her and Peter might get back together. So she wants her to know that he's a scumbag. And obviously, Geraldine takes it incredibly poorly and is mad at Sonny for sleeping with her ex. But she's also mad at Rachel for knowing and not telling her. And suddenly, like 15 years of silent grievances are being aired. And it's an all-out fight between the three of them. So in the end, Rachel moves to Toronto. Sunny and Geraldine somewhat make up. They're more civil, but not quite friends. And the book ends with an email from Geraldine to Rachel that includes the line, we're in too deep to call it off. So that's the plot. That's the book. So I, first of all, I think it actually sounds a lot more interesting when you just sum it up real quick, personally. Oh, so you didn't like the book, I'm gathering. So I actually really enjoyed the book, but I thought the plot was irrelevant. Totally. It, I felt yeah. like the plot gave did nothing for the book, and it was just kind of like Barbie dolls moving through a dollhouse, like making – like living their lives in New York while like the real stuff was happening in the subtext. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah. I think that it was more about their relationships than it was about mm-hmm. any of the action that was happening. Like it was a more emotional book than it was like a plot-driven yeah, but book. But I thought the way you summed it up sounded – it sounds really delicious. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was, at times it was pretty slow, but I think that the Canadian Thanksgiving was the best yes. scene to me because it was where the most was happening. Agreed. Personally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we just like super high level, yeah. you netted out positive on the book. I would say for sure it was a positive experience and I would recommend it to other people. Okay. That's just, I feel like I've read so many books this year that I'm having a really hard time even rating books. Mm-hmm. Because I've, I've read so much that spans so many different genres and types. And I've basically boiled it down to will, would I recommend it, would I not okay. recommend it? Because that's the easiest way for me to say yeah. like, it was good yeah. or it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but I thought – or I wouldn't say this is a book for everyone. But if anyone is dealing with – if ha- people have friendships that have had sticky situations in the past, I think you would get it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, I agree that it wasn't super plot driven. I will say it made me really want to go to Toronto. I've never been to Toronto. I loved the Canadian references. I feel like I can spot a Canadian a mile away and I like am drawn to them. Do you have deep Canadian ties of some sort? So I think it's that I used to watch a lot of Degrassi. So (laughs) (laughs) like the the way that they – their accent is so close to being American, but there's just differences that just are slightly different. And when you watch Degrassi, you pick up on them like really easily. And I was obsessed with that show for like a decade. That's so funny. I've never been to Toronto. Have you? No, no. This I'm book dying made me to go. go. It makes it seem like a nicer New York or something. I know. I've, I keep saying that I want to go, but I think my window is closing <laughs> because um, it's going to be winter. So I think it's a, a 2020. Yeah, put it on Excursion. in the pipeline. I've yeah. heard that they have a really good food festival. Ooh. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The film festival is also supposed to be great. I've heard yeah. great things about that too. I went this summer and it was fine, but it was just like – it was just any other city. Like I don't think it was – I don't want to offend anyone who lives in Toronto. Like I liked it, but I felt like it was like kind of like a less exciting, cleaner version of New York. You're Rachel. I guess I am. You're not <laughs> impressed by it. Yeah. But I loved the plot line. Yeah. I thought it was really – um, I, I could relate to it where they are living in a smaller city and glamorizing moving to New York yeah. where they oh, were yeah. like, 
where Geraldine is like, my life is going to be so different when I move to New York. And Rachel on the other side of the spectrum is like, I can't leave New York because everything else is irrelevant. Yes. I thought they nailed that mentality or the book nailed that mentality perfectly because I think that was probably to me the most accurate part of the whole book was thinking that there are only careers in New York or like my own life is only going to be good if I'm in New York. And I yeah. think people who live here, like I had that mentality when I lived here, you're around other people who are kind of, you know, making that seem even more accurate. And mm-hmm. then when you leave, which I did a number of years ago now, you realize like, oh my God, there's like life everywhere, yeah. which maybe I'm like hoping for Rachel that that's what she discovers in Toronto because she just seems so unhappy. Yeah. Well, it seems that way. Like her new agent is like so obsessed right? with her and it seems like I, I bet her if there was a sequel to this book, like – Rachel would be the one who now finds success. Yeah, I think she's kind of the Miranda. You know how in Sex and the City, it was like mm-hmm. all about Carrie in the 90s and her best life. And then when you're watching it later, you're like, wait a minute, Miranda was the one who was the yes. who should be the main character. Whatever. Yes. I'm glad you agree. We talk about that all the time. I also am a Miranda, and I think you're in a room full of more Miranda. Okay, a podcast full yeah. of Miranda. I know. Yeah. I think everyone looks at me and they're like, "Oh my god, you are a Carrie or a Charlotte, I'm Charlotte. Not a Carrie." Everyone you thinks are- I'm Carrie. I'm like, no, I'm no. I'm Miranda. Rachel Rach Martino is 100 percent a Carrie. Yes, 100. percent And I think I definitely dress like Charlotte, but if you were to like take off the layers of the onion, I'm mm-hmm. Miranda at my core. Mm-hmm. So it's funny that you think the most relevant part of the book or like the most spot on part of the book was the mentality about New York. And I I don't disagree, but the part that just really landed for me was about the relationships and the friendships where I keep telling people who I recommend this to that I've never read a book that was more spot on about long-term female friendships. See, it, I in a good way and in a bad yeah, way. Yeah, I yeah, both. <sighs> I had a hard time with the friendship part because And maybe I'm a little bit more ruthless when it comes to who I spend time with and who I keep in my life and who I don't. I had a really hard time believing that these were women in their 30s. I felt like I was reading Gossip Girl once they graduated college and were living in New York for the first time. So have you stayed close with a lot of your friends from college or your early 20s? No. Okay. Well, so I feel like that's a weird – it's hard because I don't live anywhere near where Mm -hmm. I live. So I I do stay in touch with people, but I'm not – They're not your closest friends. Right. Which maybe if some of them came back into my life – and I've had like some serious falling outs with people that I think Mm – well, with one friend in particular who we have since made up, but it's – it wasn't like this kind of girl friendship. And my friends that I've been friends with the longest, I feel like we don't have – we're so open with each other that we don't have these like hidden secret issues. It's not about the issues because I don't fight with friends. Like I'm not a dramatic friend, but I think that there's something about having very long-term female friendships over the course of decades where you know and accept flaws about people and vice versa. Like I'm not perfect in any way. And you're just like, that's how they are. Like it's like Sunny is vaguely self-centered. Like Rachel is really jealous. And it's just something that you accept about people where it's like this – I know – I can literally write on paper very simply like the worst thing about you, but I'm still okay. best friends with you. I, boiling it down like that, I definitely agree. And I was actually thinking about this one particular friend that we had had a huge falling out with in high school. And that's maybe why I'm having a hard time mm-hmm. believing buying into the 30 thing because yeah. for me, it came to a head so much younger. In my opinion, a more appropriate time for like cattiness mm-hmm. when you're 17 and hormonal. But this friend – and I felt like – it happened with Geraldine and Sunny and Rachel 
I think Rachel and Sonny, even though they weren't close, they both saw Geraldine in the same way. Like, oh, she's like a – she just isn't quite – she's yeah, a little bit of, like of a, a failure. Yeah, little puppy. Yeah, she's not quite yeah. failure to launch. And she, like all, by comparison, they almost look like they're killing it in their mm-hmm. careers because she's not yeah. getting there or feeling so confident and her personal life's kind of falling apart. Yeah. yeah. But – and that's what happened with my friend and me was that – I had always been like second fiddle to her, which I I never minded. I was like, if I'm only if I'm going to be second to anyone, I'm glad it's second to you. And then I got into Georgetown, and she didn't. She ended up at an objectively better school, so it all worked out in the end. But our friendship didn't survive. Interesting. It was DOA. Interesting. Dead Interesting. on acceptance letter. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors. So today's episode is brought to you by Care Of. They help you find the right vitamins and supplements for your specific needs. And I think we're both kind of reprioritizing our health this fall. It's kind of that like back to school feeling, but for grownups. So I just started getting back into working out and I've been doing a ton of cooking at home. And one easy thing that I'm adding into my health regime is vitamins. I'm such a fan of Care Of. So I've been taking their vitamins for almost a year now. Whenever they did their first ad with us, I just kept going and and bought. I buy it every month. So it's the one thing I prioritize, even if I'm traveling a lot like we are now, mostly because they make it so easy to bring it with, with you. I love the little on-the-go packs. So here's how it works. You go online and you take a five-minute quiz and answer questions about your diet, lifestyle, and goals. God, do I love a quiz. And then they spit you out a personalized recommendation of vitamins, supplements, and or protein powders just for you. I really love that part. So I get so overwhelmed by all the options for different supplements and vitamins. Like, what do I need? Me, specifically. So I really love that Care Of tailors my regimen specifically to my life and what I need. And you can always go in and modify your subscription um, just in case anything changes. So we already told you how easy it is, but I really think it's the best part of it, so it bears repeating. They send you a month's worth of daily packs, so you can just take a couple of packages and throw them in your suitcase, throw them in your purse in the morning. And like you don't, if you're traveling, you don't need to lug around the whole pill bottle or get that old people pill case. Like it's easy. It's so easy. So the last thing that I'll say is I really appreciate their attention to quality. So you can see on the site where they source their ingredients so you know that you're getting high quality supplements. Okay. So if you're ready to try care of, and I really think you should, you can take 50% off your first order. Go to take care of and enter code BOP50 at checkout. So again, that's code BOP50 at takecareof.com. Let's get back to the episode. <laughs> well, wait, maybe let's dive into each of the relationships in the book. Yes. Yeah, because I, I think the way that I was actually describing this to Mike, my boyfriend, saying three is such a difficult number when it comes to women. Yeah. I think it's yeah. the hardest friendship triangle to maintain because it, someone's always going to feel left out. And yeah. he disagreed. He was like, oh, my God, for guys, three is the best number because no one's ga- – there's no teams. Oh, oh. interesting, right? I think it's good and bad. Like, I came from a household with three girls, and I, I do think that oftentimes two can game up on one. But then also, like, if one person doesn't want to do something, then you the other one can – you have someone to do with it with. So it's almost like it's, like, lower pressure. Like, yeah. I was thinking we were talking about like going – was it you, Becca, that I was talking about going on vacation with three people versus two? Like if one person wants to like just chill by themselves, then it's fine. And but the if other you're with the other off. two, you're stuck. Yeah. 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 And if it's just two, you're like stuck Somebody together. has to compromise. Yeah. yeah. So I think it can go either way. In yeah, my experience, I feel like three can be very difficult. 
I don't funny. disagree with you, but I, and I thought she did a good job of like describing that triangle. Yeah, where yeah, like sometimes it ebbs and flows, where it's like and twists yes. and like these two. I loved how Geraldine was kind of stalking the other two on Twitter as they were hanging out and like not telling I her. Thought that was well, was yeah, so like, funny. It's like she was the one who brought them all together. Like she was. She's the, the connecting thread. Yeah. And then it's like, they're hanging out without me, like those bitches. And being yeah. petty and tweeting about it publicly. It but wasn't like, like they I were would texting feel, each other. I would other. feel the same way. Oh, if yeah. I had two friends that weren't friendly and then all of a sudden, without me, they struck up a friendship, like, yes. I would feel very hurt. I I would too. And I feel like seeing it on Twitter makes it even worse. Totally. Yeah. And I think it would be better to see it on like Instagram story, but Twitter <laughs> just seems like the worst place Right. Social media yeah, wise yeah. to discover that. Yeah. Well, wait, let's talk about Geraldine and Sonny yes. first. I, I kind of wrote out each relationship and I think we can like go down. I don't even remember like how they were friends. Was Geraldine her boss, right? They worked together at a magazine. All three of them worked together at a magazine in Toronto. In Toronto. And Geraldine was Sonny's boss at one mm-hmm. point in the beginning. So it was interesting because they started out and they were like at the same level with actually Geraldine kind of a little bit above Sonny. And then, um, it obviously became very dramatically different as Sunny really took off and became like this influencer, influencer type of person and Geraldine kind of just stagnated. Well, I thought it was really interesting that um, Sunny kind of seemingly didn't have time for Geraldine. Like she was yeah. like had yeah. this very busy well, at life. At the beginning of the book, I like your heart almost broke for Geraldine when Sunny was like offering to hang out but like didn't actually mean it. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like so I've just, had that happen before. Yeah. Someone, you know someone's just – saying the script and you're yeah. like, oh, you actually don't want to hang out with me and like you're my closest or who I thought was my close friend. It's an awful feeling. Like I kind of um, felt like Sunny got what was coming to her a little bit. Like where at the I beginning too, everything was so glamorous. She felt like she was too good for Geraldine. Geraldine moved to New York. She felt really like sad and like she was like, I know that this person doesn't have time for me so I'm like going to go find other things to do. And then like Sunny was really – distraught and Geraldine was like look you were a crappy friend to me yes Yes. I love when she was like oh we had teas and 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 Geraldine was like we had one tea and then there was the one on the stoop yeah they weren't even yeah oh god that really yeah or how Sunny would be like to Geraldine oh why didn't you stay with me next time you have to stay with me but then you hear like when it's talking about like what Sunny's saying to Nick and she's like oh I just don't have time and this and that and like uh, Sunny is thinking about all the like emotional labor she's going to have to take just to handle being around Geraldine. Yeah, they really – I felt like they weren't, they weren't being fair to her even in seeing her for who she actually was. I think they had created the script from her. And I think a big part of it was that Rachel and Sunny are living this like New York life. Mm-hmm. And they're seeing as anything not New York as being less than yeah. without actually being like, oh, wait, Geraldine – isn't this sad little puppy? Because I yeah. actually think what Geraldine does in the book, like you have to have like a pair yeah. to do that. Like she kind of killed really, it. Yeah. And you really root for her too because like the way that she was positioned, I don't know. It didn't seem good at the beginning. But I think yeah. a lot of that is that you're seeing her through her friend's eyes. Yeah. Lens. yeah. Like I don't yes. think you actually get a fair representation of Geraldine at the beginning because so much of her character is built up by how Rachel's talking about her to her husband and how Sonny's talking about her her husband, mm-hmm. and then how they're talking to each other about her, mm-hmm. which maybe that is act does happen, yeah, sometimes. Well, what about Geraldine and Rachel? Like, it, ostensibly, they had a better friendship, but then it was also clear that like Rachel was 
I don't I don't want to say that she regretted it, but she was definitely rebelling against the fact that she'd gotten married and had a child yeah. and that her life wasn't as sexy as Geraldine's or Sunny's. And she was like, well, I have this life, but I also want to keep up with the Joneses. And like whether the Joneses is Sunny or whether the Joneses is Geraldine later in the book, like she, she had a ton line. of jealousy yes. about like, I've I've picked my choice, but I want to have both. And I felt like the scene where you see that the most is where she's at the birthday party for her daughter. Oh, and yeah. And Geraldine gets to like hit it off with Rachel's old friend. Right. And she is standing there with like her kid wrapped around her leg and she sees quite literally like Geraldine and this friend like walk off into the into the sunset and right. have this like, oh, adult friendship and she's yeah. at this birthday party. Right. <sighs> I know. I, I But I felt like Rachel liked – she wanted both. Yeah. I, I get that feeling. Yeah. Like I'm obviously not a mom or like in that position mm-hmm. or close to it. But even I feel that internal struggle of like, oh, I want to be – I love like being able to do whatever I want whenever right. I want. But then, oh, I, I do want to be a mom. It's like you do yeah. maybe as a female have a little bit more of that pull and you felt it – I felt it so much for her. Well, I also think that it really highlights it in your friends who've chosen differently where mm-hmm. yes. Sunny – well, Sunny wanted children but her husband definitely didn't. So she wasn't having kids and Geraldine like wasn't even in a relationship. She was just so career-focused. And so, you know, you don't feel bad about it when when Rachel was with all of her mommy friends – but then, you know, you kind of have the contrast outside of that via her two other friends. And it's like the path not chosen. Yeah. It's a little bit of a mirror in a sense. Yeah. Like, oh, what would – you know, you know how some books do the two plots of like, mm-hmm. what if? Mm-hmm. That's kind of – I feel like you see that played out. Yeah. 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 I um, it, it made me – like I really identified with Geraldine through a lot of the parts of the book. And it – that – relationship in particular made me think of my friends because I'm that age and I have a lot of friends who have two kids and are married and the whole thing. And they're always like, oh, it's always so fun when we go out because I feel like we're young again. And like part of me also like then feels like I'm like the sad puppy that like (laughs) drinks too much and is irresponsible or whatever. And it it just made me laugh because I could really identify with that. Well, I think that is a, a I mean, no matter what, even if someone does get married and have kids and another person gets married and has kids, it no two life is going to look the same. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes seeing it played out on your closest friends yeah. can give you more of that feeling of longing or regret or disappointment in yourself. And I think it's almost worse when you see it reflected on a close friend mm-hmm. than say even reading a book with like a fictional character or seeing it played out on TV because you're watching it unfold in real life. Totally. And I, I thought the three – I thought she did a good job of picking people who – or picking characters, I guess, that had a similar background. They'd all started in magazines and being a journalist and what that looks like breaking off and peeling away. Well, yeah. I think it's really interesting because it's like you start in the same place and then you don't grow together necessarily. Not at the same time, not in the same way, not on the same yeah. speed. You see yeah. it all. And then 15 years later, it's like, oh, look at all these different places Yeah, that these women – and they're all kind are. of at like a pivotal point in their life. Right. For personal and professional reasons, I think all of them. And I I also personally believe people life goes through ebbs and flows where, you know, graduating college, everyone with you is going through that life stage together. Totally. When you're even kind of entering your 30s, you're it doesn't really matter where you are in life. Everyone's entering that new decade. And I think they're clearly in the same life cycle of okay, we're all getting ready to do this another big change and different chapter in our lives. And 
I liked seeing it played out professionally and personally, even if I didn't agree with some of it. I don't think you were supposed to agree with all of it. No, yeah. I felt so bad for Nick. I didn't. I thought that he was kind of an asshole. Yeah, I kind of thought he was a douche. I felt but like I thought he was Sonny getting, was insufferable. Yeah, I I felt for I felt like they were both living s- such independent lives, but it seemed to me like one of those couples that maybe shouldn't have gotten married in the first place where it seemed like part of Sunny's personality was wanting to construct this perfect life and yeah. like she reached for something that she thought would make her happy because Nick was this super rich I think he was South African, like he was kind of foreign and like he was in the right circles. And then like you get it and you're like, oh, wow, this actually doesn't make me happy. This is just something that's good on paper. Yeah. I just thought it was so messed up though that she just moved out of her apartment without even having the conversation. She'd rented a studio before. Oh, yeah. I don't think she did it the right way, but I also don't think that it was I don't think anyone was um, faultless for sure, but I just felt that – that scene just about killed me. But I do think that you could do that in New York. Just find someone on the street putting up a poster and being like, cool, I'll take it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I think it depends how impulsive you are as a person. <laughs> yeah. But it could happen. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Wait, so what about Sunny and Rachel? I thought this this friendship was really interesting, how they went from like hate to like to like, oh, we never liked each other. This was all. Well, I felt like the only thing that they had in common and I've – I am 100% guilty of doing this, of finding friendship over mutual disdain or anger or frustration over something. Not even in a positive, like, oh, my God, we both love reading. Like, that's a productive friendship. But sometimes I find myself drawn to people just because we dislike the same things. And that can be so unhealthy. And I thought it unraveled so perfectly and then raveled up and then unraveled again. Well, yeah. I mean, like, especially – Talking – this sounds so shitty – talking behind somebody's back about yes. how you dislike yeah. their boyfriend. Oh, yes. my God. I think we've all been you know? there. Geraldine and Peter. Not poor not Peter. Poor not Peter. Peter. I thought Peter was the worst. Peter sucks. But I felt bad for Geraldine every time Peter got mentioned. I was like, oh, can someone just – instead of talking behind her back, right. like pick her up and get her out of Nantucket or whatever. The one thing that I thought was really interesting about this that I felt like reflected on my life was um, at the very beginning of the book, like it kind of seems like they both have this deep seated animosity towards each other, but neither of them can really remember why. They're just like, I hate they her, just but hate like, each other. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember why. And it's so funny because I had like, I've had maybe two dramatic friendships in my life and I had this huge falling out with a college roommate and I like consider her on my list of enemies. And if you asked me what happened at this point, I'm like, I have no idea. Like, I don't remember any of the specifics. I'm just left with this like strong conviction that I dislike this person. And the more years that pass, like sometimes that that pit can grow a little bit. And it's so vague. Like, it's like, what happened? I'm like, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was really funny that it was like these two women were like, we hate each other. And it's like, why? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. But this was another situation where it flipped because in the beginning, they were working at the magazine together and Rachel like talked down to Sunny and like offended Sunny. But then like throughout, it's really that Sunny just doesn't give a shit about Rachel because she's like this influencer person and Rachel is like this mom living in Brooklyn. I felt like they were both make jumping to conclusions about each other and then just being – okay, the story about Rachel or the story about Sunny is set and that's just all she is. But I think this also resonates where where like – I don't know if you have this in your life, but getting thrown together with somebody just because you're like very close with the same person. Yeah. So like having somebody who's like 
not really your friend, but like you hang out with, you see all the time because you have like a connecting thread. Yeah. yeah and I felt like in this book too, that New York social circle, especially for these ex or you know, expats and that circle seemed quite close knit because mm-hmm. you kind of see those characters weave in and out of yeah, everyone yeah. else's life in different ways at different times. Yeah. So I that's definitely at play. But they're right. kind of also awkwardly and not successfully avoiding each other. Like Geraldine right. knows they hate each other. Right. And she's trying to get them to invite them to this dinner and that dinner and it's it just doesn't work. I know. And then they bond. And then they do. <laughs> yeah. And then like after all that effort. Yeah. 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 They're like, oh, let's bond over how we hate Peter. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was funny. Are we going to talk about Peter? Ugh. I'm I so was, Peter. I'm so glad that you put this in the notes because I just wrote Peter and Geraldine and then I wrote nothing in the notes because I was waiting <laughs> for Grace to chime in. I thought he was disgusting. He was awful. He he reminds me of my ex. I would like to point uh, out that you dated multiple Peters. Uh-oh. No, only really one. The other one isn't isn't a Peter. Only one. The one, like, the one long relationship I had was a total Peter. But he never cheated on me, I will say. Yeah. He never slept with one of my friends. That was crazy to me. And I felt like, I don't know, I feel like the book downplayed it. I, like I felt like it, it was, was such a too. major, major thing. Yes, no, they were not engaged yet. But, like, if a friend of mine slept with my boyfriend, they are out for life. Like, they Which, don't – We Maybe don't that is up. why Sunny was distancing herself a little bit from Geraldine. Yeah. Like, maybe – I mean, sorry, she doesn't explicitly say that. But it didn't maybe. seem like she felt that bad about it. Right? She's she like, well, you guys weren't engaged. Yeah. Like, I think that she mentioned that. Right. Like, I almost wonder – because I felt, to I me, find, like that was just thrown in at the end a little bit, plot-wise. Maybe? I felt like it was leading up to it the whole time, but it didn't feel like Sunny had a whole lot of conscience about it. Like, she wasn't like, oh, my God, I have this secret that I have to tell her and it will end our friendship. Yeah. Like, she was kind of like, oh, this was ancient history. This wasn't important. Right. And some, And it did seem like, as a character, she kind of had constructed her own lies that she was telling herself. So maybe that was an example where she's like, oh, this isn't a big deal. Totally. I also felt it was a missed opportunity to play up the idea that Peter was everyone's boss. Mm-hmm. Did you read The Whisper Network? I actually dis- strongly disliked that book. Oh, really? Yeah. I haven't read it. You can be our tiebreaker. Yeah, everyone loved it. I'm, I was like that, – that, That's been highly recommended. People have been like, can you talk about that on the podcast? And I'll, like, I'll give know. it to you. I didn't like it. I thought that it was really slow. And then when it started to pick up, I was like – what? So was, I thought it was really predictable, but I did find some similar I thought there were some similarities between Peter's character and this and I don't even remember the main character in that. Well, book, I but. thought that this book did such a good job picking like like it's a very 2019 book. Yes. Like it had a lot of elements of pop culture where not necessarily with Peter, but like there was definitely like me too was woven in and um even just podcasts. the political yeah, the I podcast, thought they did a good like, the, job with that. The, current political mood, like the collapse of publishing, like it's very like of a certain time. Yes. Which, I mean, it might not age well because of that, but it was like- The opening chapter is kind of all about, oh, you know, is this a time to be moving to America and like all this stuff is happening and- Like it's Mm -hmm. definitely of a time. Yes. So yeah, like I mean, having the plot line of like workplace harassment. I thought it could have worked perfectly. Yeah. And I think it would have added a di- – because I I had a hard time because I don't have a Peter in my life. I didn't – that character had no legs for me. He was very flat and he was, in my mind, as far – he just basically didn't exist. So every time he got brought up, it was – didn't feel super connected to it. Like I wanted to be angry. Oh, I get it. Like it's like this this charismatic – 
person who keeps drawing you in. Yes. Where you're like, we've broken up. I like, I know that he's terrible. And then you're like, how am I back in this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think because I felt like I had lived through something very similar that it I maybe might have given more dimension to his character on my own, just projecting my own personal life experiences onto him. Yeah. Talking about another book. I literally pictured normal people. somebody mm-hmm. else. Because that's how yeah. I felt with normal people was that oh, I was like adding my own personal yeah. context and experiences into it, yeah. which made me enjoy it so much more than yeah. if I hadn't related to some of the characters. Yeah. And I think the reason why it's so polarizing is because people who don't relate to those characters or don't have uh, Connor, whatever. I can't Connor remember. and Marianne. Yeah, Connor and Marianne mm-hmm. in their life or haven't been a Connor and Marianne, just, you can't get it. Right. Totally. And I think that happens here. And maybe that was my issue with it. I didn't have an issue. I hated him. I thought Geraldine should yeah. And I thought her friend should have been there for her to really not oh. talk behind her back, but get her I out. I was so angry about that situation. I was so angry. I like, I just, I don't know how they could gloss over it like that. Like, Sunny just did not seem to really feel that bad that she slept with him. She's like rationalizing it that he was a bad dude. It's like, no, but you're supposed to be her best friend. You don't sleep with her boyfriend and justify and it, it because secret. you were engaged. Well, and she kept being like, she knew what she was getting with Peter. And it yeah. was like, yeah, yeah but like, like you don't, don't need do to that. be. It's not like I'm like, oh, Becca's boyfriend sucks. I'm going to go sleep with him. Well, what was she expecting? Yeah, what he was sucks. she expecting? Right. Where it's like, I, I think there's a difference between like, we knew that Peter was unfaithful and was sleeping with other people versus like, your you're one of those people. Yeah. Yes. You don't do that. Uh, it made me so mad. Yeah. I just think that's something that's unforgivable in a friendship. Like if you sleep with my boyfriend. I feel like there's a very strong line. Yeah. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. yeah. But it was – you know, I don't think you even sleep with a friend's ex. Like I just think that there's certain things you just don't do. I'm not justifying any of this. Like I'm not – I'm not trying to be on the other side, but then – Let's hear it. (laughs) No, the other thing is that it's like it's so far in the past. So at some point it's like this happened a long time ago and it's like you're not with him. You're not getting back together with him and it's kind of like what are you going to do with this? Like at some point you're like do I end my friendship over this or not? Where it's not like he's your husband, you're actively married and you're like this broke our marriage. Like it was like they broke up already. So it like – it. I'm not saying that it's – not a big deal, but at the same time, it's like, what if you found- after all this time, like, would it have as much weight as it would have exactly? Or if you had gotten into this fight in the past, exactly, it where it's like, do you call the friendship over it? And like, to be honest, I didn't think there was much of a friendship there to begin with between Sunny, Sunny and Geraldine. I feel like Sunny kind of liked having Geraldine in her life because it made her feel better about her own life. And I think Geraldine liked Sunny in her life because it made her feel cool. I mean, kind of, but I think at the same time, no matter how flawed their friendship was, they both considered each other among their closest friends. I know, but I thought that was... they were... I think that's what they saw each other on paper. Yeah. But in reality, I just don't even consider them... I don't either. And maybe that means that neither of them had real close friends right. so maybe yeah. it's more about that but i don't know if that's your like one of your closest friends that's in my opinion quite depressing oh it is but it's like i i don't know like i think of i'm very close with all of my friends from college like I'm have not. been are like You're my really shaking your head dramatically best friends and like i'm trying to think of in my head and obviously this has never happened but i'm like what would have to happen to undo that friendship, you know? Where it's like you've invested so much into that and they are like your people. It's like the last line of the book. Of course, 
you would like not to just say you would be like okay free pass but like you would be upset like but then like at what has to happen for you to throw it away over and something to me about the relationship having already ended where it wasn't like the cause of her right and peter breaking up and like it was already in the past like it was like well it, it wasn't like i was going to get married to him and then i found i don't know i don't know where i'm I going feel with very this very anti peter yeah period sure i feel very anti sunny and geraldine friendship Mm-hmm. Too. Interesting. I think I f- I feel that way too because I feel very protective of Geraldine. I think that's what I f- maybe yeah. that's why I feel so strongly about it because I do feel like she was blindsided. Sunny knew what she, she was, was doing. definitely the most sympathetic. Char- Geraldine yeah. was definitely the most sympathetic character. I mean, she was like theoretically the main the main character in the book, even though the perspective shifted between all three. Yeah, it was definitely every, she was centered. Around it was her but story. I, I just think she. Did everything – maybe she didn't have a great 20s or whatever. You know, the beginning part of her career wasn't so great. That happens to people. Yeah. Then she kind of just pulled herself up from the bootstraps and decided to move to New York well, and work her – like, she was networking like crazy. Some yeah. of those networking experiences I was cringing over. But I love that, that it was a real, story – felt real to me. I love that it was a story about reinvention in your 30s mm-hmm. where it wasn't about – hey, I'm some ingenue who just graduated college and I'm going to go figure it out. Like it was like, I am in a career. I am stuck. It is not going well. I'm going to uproot my life, which theoretically has a lot more roots than somebody in their early 20s. Like I'm going to go start a podcast, which is something that I have no background in or knowledge of. Like I love that it was a story of like not late life reinvention, but like not early. Early Yeah. Yeah, I, I, agree. My I words, agree. But like I thought that was that's a plot line that I, I actually, don't see. I think I was thinking about that as I was reading the book, but I was so focused on the friendships because I totally I think it came across as a book about three friends. Totally. Or friends in quotes, in my opinion. Yeah. But I the career element was a very interesting one. And even for Rachel, like I was also rooting for her towards I the was end. Too. Totally. Yeah. I was rooting against un- Sunny and for everyone else. Well, yeah, with Rachel, yeah. it was like, do I my passion is writing, but I also have to be pragmatic and like make money because I have a I family. Yeah. I felt bad for her and I but at the same time, as I don't think she was actually that whiny about it. Like she was no. more like more realistic and I I do think she was really – I don't think that she was whiny, but I think her inner monologue – I think she was very negative. Negative and jealous. Like, yeah. yeah but yeah. she was – okay. Yes. However, I'm going to give her a pass. I think I, I like Rachel the most now that I'm thinking about Interesting. it. Interesting. Really? Yeah, because here she is. She's a new mom. Mm-hmm. She, the kid wasn't that old, Cleo. No, she Cleo was like, was like two. Toddler. Yeah, she was young. So she's – this is a new thing for her. She's probably feeling societal pressures to maybe start thinking about having a second one. Maybe. Her career isn't over by choice. Like, she's not deciding, waking up one morning and deciding she hates magazines. She loses her job. Right. And she has a side hustle that she's kind of failing at but really wants to make her main job. She has this amazing – I think being a writer and yeah. writing – I met this one author of Everybody Rise, I think it was called. I can't remember the author's name. Oh, yeah. Name. I remember yeah. heard of that. that. Did you go to that tea? At the yeah. Plaza? And she was saying – she. She was basically Rachel without the negativity, oh. but she worked at the New York Times and got, got up every morning. She had a brand new kid, a little baby. She would write every morning for an hour. She was, And she said, it was really important to me that I write this book. It was something I'd always wanted to do. And I think Rachel fits into that category where she's 
she's frustrated and I think she's feeling some of life pressures of being this mom and like I need to I want to be home to like put my kid to bed but I also want yeah. to succeed in my career and things aren't rapid fire happening like they might yeah. when you're 23 and you have a lot more pressure yeah. on you and your husband's now coming home and saying my dream job about these tiny micro fish is moving to me to to Toronto, <laughs> mm-hmm. a city that she already has ex- explored and lived she, in like, and grew out of. Yeah. yeah. That can be a tough reality to face. And I, she, she still went. She kind of just bucked up and did it. Everything. She did the writing. She did the move. She did the motherhood. I really liked Maybe the end perfectly. for her. I feel I like too. it was like so nice to see the agent really take an interest in her. And I feel I feel good about Rachel's next steps I'd in Toronto. I'd love to read a book about the agent because I <laughs> – <laughs> This one character who comes in this for five one, minutes yeah. and Carly's like, give her a book. She gets a book. <laughs> Seriously, though, because Rachel kind of looked down at her because she didn't have this huge repertoire of books that she was coming with and she didn't have this giant, you know, history of taking books off. But she was super passionate about that monster book and she saw something in Rachel that maybe Rachel didn't even see in herself. Yeah. And yeah, it's, that would be interesting to read. It would be. A different side of publishing. <laughs> I, I certainly my brain did not go there. No. Give the agent. A book. I didn't either until just now. But Lauren Meckling, if you're listening, give the agent a book. Time for another quick sponsor break. Oh, it's time to talk about my favorite thing, my night pillow. So you've heard me say it before. I love these pillows. I've been using mine for years. I just upgraded this year from the standard pillows to the king size pillow, which I absolutely love. I've struggled with insomnia my whole life, and this pillow really just helps me sleep. I've been noticing a huge difference in my sleep quality, when we're, especially when we're on the road and I don't have my night pillow with me. Ooh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. (laughs) It does. So I'm a little bit of a newer convert, but I can't say enough good things. So as a refresher, the night pillow is a memory foam pillow with a silk pillowcase. And the memory foam makes the pillow super comfortable and so that it doesn't lose shape throughout the night. And then the silk case is really beneficial to your skin and your hair. I always put it this way. You spend a third of your life asleep, so you should love your pillow, and it's worth spending a little extra money here. Do you remember how magazines used to always talk about the cost per wear math for, like, fashion items? Oh, my God. Yeah. If you do the nightly math on your pillow, it would come out to pennies. Plus, if you are a bad sleeper like me, investing, like, in a pillow to improve your sleep is totally worth it. So Knight has a lot of celebrity fans. I've actually heard that Kim Kardashian uses one, but – What I love is that Knight has such a good return policy, so you don't have to rely on the hearsay that Kim Kardashian loves hers. You can try it at home yourself for 101 nights, and if you don't like it, you can send it back, no questions asked. I think that's when you know it's a good product, when they have such a good return policy that they're like, you try it. Yeah, exactly. I dare you. (laughs) Exactly. So before we tell you our code, I just want to shout out some of their other products in case you already know and love the pillow. So they have a travel pillow that's pretty new. Um, Becca and I have both been bringing ours everywhere on this tour, and it's incredible. It's definitely the best travel pillow I've ever used. And I'm also a huge fan of their silk sheet masks. So if you want to try the magic that is the night pillow or any of their other products, and seriously, the pillow is like comfort sorcery. I don't know how they make it so comfortable. You can get 20% off your order with code BOP20 at discovernight.com. So again, head to discovernight.com and enter code BOP20 for 20% off. 
And now back to the episode. So it's interesting that you say that you were really rooting for Rachel because I felt like I was like very staunchly rooting for Geraldine more than the other two. But I think the part that was really genius and made this book land so personally for me was that I could identify pieces of myself or like ways I would act in certain situations in all three of them. It's like classic sex in the city. Everyone has a little bit of each character. Exactly, where it was like, it was like, I've been Rachel. Like, I've been the less cool friend who's jealous of, like, another friend who's doing something really cool. Like, I've been Geraldine. Like, I've been somebody who struggled and been like, what's next in my career? Like, I've been Sunny where it's like I'm self-centered and really wrapped up in myself and probably at the expense of like my friendships. And like I – not that it's like you're a carrier Miranda, but I was like, oh, wow. Like I can see a little bit of myself in each of these women where it was like even though they were at times deeply unsympathetic where it was like, no, Sunny should not have slept with Peter. Like Rachel was like clearly just being jealous of Sunny Mm -hmm. in her relationship. Like there were things that were very – negative about how their personalities manifested but i was like oh i like there are nuggets of truth in each of this for me yeah it's a hard it's a hard thing to admit but you definitely i mean no one's perfect totally if someone wrote a book about a perfect person a it would be the most unrealistic book ever and it'd be so boring. boring yeah I think I, I like – there was a quote on the back of the book that I just want to read. I've grabbed Carly's copy from her. But this was by Stephanie Dandler who wrote Sweet Bitter, which is – I love I haven't that read book. It yet. Oh, it's a good book. It's on my list. It's a very controversial book. I feel like people either love it or hate it. I think – because I grew up in the restaurant industry, so I love it. I loved it too because I worked in restaurants in yeah. college. But I've also heard people say that they strongly disliked it. Yeah. Um, I'll let you know what Kay. I think. So she wrote, Lauren Meckling's Portrait of the ramifications of female friendship is so razor sharp and accurate. I found myself wincing as I read it, which I did too. And then she wrote, I know these women. I am these women. Flawed, conspiring, neurotic, and loving. Very few writers can entertain and still reveal deep pathos. Meckling has done it flawlessly. And I like I couldn't agree more. I felt like I like that I know these women. I am these women. Yeah. Yeah. Because like I it was like I identified mostly with Geraldine because of her relationship and because of like her industry and like struggling and like a lot of that. But then like you said, Becca, there's been times like there was a week where Becca and I, we were coming from recording someone else and I said something to her and she's like, oh, sorry, I've just been too self-absorbed this week. And I'm like, me too. Like you have those weeks where like you're just like you can't get out of your own stuff and you're, maybe you're not the best friend because you're just so in wrapped up way. in your own yeah. stuff. And that like isn't great. And then like the the Rachel feeling like you're like less cool, like you're less than, like you don't – I don't know. like Maybe that's why I identified with Rachel the most too. You know, she's like – she's doing fine. Things yeah. are good. Yeah. But you're looking at everyone else being like, oh, like why am I not doing better? Like why am I – Yeah. I'm, I don't identify pretty much anything with Sunny. I don't see myself. I'm not cool enough. I'm what did you guys enough. think of the portrayal of her as an influencer? I didn't see that I didn't, at all. I didn't understand how she was an influencer. I didn't get the whole – well, well I, guess I she was like this cool girl. I feel bad for her when I – is she's Nick's wife, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Nick gave that really like sharp response about – you don't actually work at the magazine. She's not a real oh, artist yeah. that she that, just does projects. That kind of killed me because I, he saw her, I think, mm-hmm. in that moment. And it was a slice. Yeah, below he knew the like belt. the thing that would really like get her. That's when I knew I was like, it's over. It should never yeah. have happened in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. That killed me and made me at least empathize with her because I felt kind of bad for her in that moment. And totally. I would hate it if someone was as 
that honest and brutal in a moment. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys didn't really – I thought that was just personally thrown in for – like an interesting thing to put on the, the jacket. Yeah, she wasn't like a true influencer though. I like, thought she was an artist. She was an artist. Like she, yeah, was, but I think she was somebody who was no, like she was a name brand before. Like I didn't yeah. feel that. I guess I didn't get that connection. Yeah. And I, it felt like she was just hired at that magazine to do, like put her spin on it. I didn't get why she was in all these like magazine meetings. Yeah. You don't really seem that right. on the staff. Well, then when the um, – I did giggle when they, she was, like, trying to, like, make plums a thing. Like, when she was talking about she's going to have, like, a plum rest, like, a pie oh, recipe. Yes. And then they were like, oh, and then throw a lipstick in there. That'll make the advertisers happy. And that, that made, made me, me laugh. Of, like, vlogging roundups where we were like, oh, it's fall, so let's do a pumpkin roundup. Oh, the face mask. Like, I don't yeah. know. No, I – well, so one thing that I thought was – I empathize with Sunny about is when the magazine folded and she met with the old editor who was starting her own thing and she was like, you could really like shit on a napkin and I don't care. Like as long as like I just want your, your name, name attached to that. Yeah. Um, that was icky. But I that happened. Yeah, it does. Because didn't Lauren Meckling, she like worked in – She works at – she worked or works at Vogue. So I I liked that angle of it. I, I just too. read Ruth Reichel's. Mm-hmm. Novel, which Save one? Me the, Save Me the Plum. Speaking of one plums. of my favorite books from the whole year. Do you like it? I was obsessed okay, with it. Good. I almost because sometimes was, we disagree. Carly. No, I know, but yeah, I love this. When you're talking about being in the restaurant, I was like, it was the best food book I've read. Yeah, but I thought her representation of the magazine world and publishing was so. It was such a perfect time that her career happened to be to talk about publishing. Okay. And I could feel senses of that in the book, too, of personal experiences and being in those boardrooms. And she probably has gotten a comment like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And someone's probably told her, throw in a lipstick because the advertisers will be happy. <laughs> yeah. It, that felt very realistic yeah. to me. Yeah. And kind of a little Devil, devil Wears Prada nod. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. I do think the podcast part was interesting. I was wondering what you guys thought of the influencer part, but then I thought the podcast part was so – So that to me – I was Geraldine just, was the, the influencer in that. Yeah, out of – I'd say Geraldine became the influencer. But I just got to say, like the fact that her she started this podcast and suddenly it was like no, picked but, up by this major network. Okay. I was like, that doesn't happen. Two things But though, it does, it does. If, you, if you shop it that way. Like and we are an indie podcast. We yeah. weren't like – We didn't No, but they talked about their pitch, the their business pitch basically in the book. They said, we have a built-in audience because we're interviewing famous podcast people. I think that was that on was purpose. Smart. Right. Because – you do end up bringing people. But there are shows like the Gimlets of the World or whatever. It's like, you know, somebody develops a show and they sell it to them or, you know, they are True. they have a team that's developing internally. But it's like that does happen where yeah, like you're people right. are developing. I guess I'm thinking of our story and it's just been so like, okay, we're just going to figure this out. And But listen, everyone's I, got their own story. And yeah. I think there's a benefit to not being with a major publisher because then you don't have to worry about plugging that plum lipstick. Yeah. <laughs> in your podcast if you don't want. I mean, I I don't think that the reason I liked the book was because there was a podcast plot line, but I was like, hell it yeah, because there's perfectly. not um, – the, I can only think of that one other dumb book that has book. a podcast plot line. Listen like, to your heart. Podcasts aren't in the mainstream. Like, I feel like I've read a lot of books that have to do with influencers or, like, social media people, but never Lots podcasting. Of yeah. Although I'll say that I feel like – because I love whenever any character in a book or a movie has a blog, and that's only really happened in the last two or three years. But, you know, Carly and I have both been at blogging. I've been doing it 10 years. You've been doing it like – 11. I thought you were – I was going to say 12. It's crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, Ellen Hildebrand has a social media influencer on one of her recent books. Oh. Saying. I know. I'm hoping I love that she writes books. a character about me. <laughs> oh, wow. I've wow. been DMing her like crazy. Just plugging. Yeah. Just like keep it and on her radar. I wanted yeah. to be like, maybe not, I don't even need to be the character. I'll just be the person walking down the street that everyone on Nantucket makes fun of. I'm cool with that. Oh, so you just want a cameo. Yeah, cameo. Oh, look, there's Carly posing against the Welcome to Nantucket sign. Yeah, and then everyone rolling their eyes who live on Nantucket and hate the influencer. I'm cool being that person. Okay. (laughs) I I like that you don't even want – It doesn't even have to be a positive positive portrayal. No, I just want a little plug. I love – I'm obsessed with her books. They're my guilty pleasure. Okay. I like her books a lot. They're like chicken soup for the soul. Like if you're having a a bad week, reading an Ellen Hildebrand book is – It feels good. Yeah. Um, What did you guys think of the ending of the book? I – well, I thought it was interesting because I didn't say this earlier, but I really didn't like – it made me start off hating Sunny because she sent one of those annoying letters, one of those annoying – braggy holiday letters and i thought it was funny that it ended with geraldine sent it not it wasn't a holiday letter but it was like a similar thing like geraldine sending oh, a mass email i didn't email. even realize it was two different people i thought it was like the next version no it was version. like geraldine became geraldine kind of became sunny like sunny. she became the the oh, alpha in yeah. the friendship like the so top I thought that was, dog i thought that was interesting and i like that yeah you know, in like a kind of a mm, rooting for the underdog kind of yeah way. totally and I also – I thought – I mean, I thought it was funny, just the email that – the the way that it ended, like we've been in it too long or something. I loved that because yeah. it was like – so they got in this huge fight and I wouldn't have been satisfied if it just wrapped up with a bow where they were like, let's be, let bygones be bygones because like it something really did happen. But then – so but then I didn't want it to be too pessimistic where it ended and it was like, well, 15 years of friendship down the drain. Like the moral I, of this story is that like people are awful. Yeah. And so I liked that it was like, hey. It was a happy medium for sure. It was. It was. And it was like I- ambiguous enough that it was like they're not close right now. They're not friends. But like no. – there's – what was the I wouldn't sentence? be here for a sequel either. You want the book about the agent. But I'm in for a, an offshoot. Oh, interesting. The book about Rachel's life in Toronto, Toronto with her agent. Yeah. Because I also think it would be a great foil to the New York City book too. That's interesting. What does it look like in Toronto? Yeah. yeah. Like, are, you know, are it's people like, too nice in Canada? Well, no. I think it's like <laughs> you came from a big city and then – you go somewhere smaller and, like, there is life after New yeah. York. And mm-hmm. I think Rachel's character has more in her, too. She can okay. be the secondary I like character. that. Okay. I liked the ending. I liked Me how too. it came full circle. And I liked that Rachel's getting her kind of happy – I think Rachel's going to get a happy ending. Sunny. But it wasn't necessarily the one she thought. Yeah. No. I think Which it, that's sometimes life. Yeah. I thought it was a great ending. Yeah. I also – I. One thing that kind of bothers me sometimes about books is when, like, men are – like, the boy drama or man drama is, like, too ingrained. Yeah. Well, it's like and the thought, bench style test. Exactly. And they uh, – Lauren did, a, I think, a good job of keeping the conversation above the surface, even though that was happening below. And then the ending really wasn't about their relationships with their husbands or boyfriends or right. ex-boyfriends at all. Right. And I appreciated that a lot. I do too because I think they female friendship is such a complex topic that like I don't think gets enough play where at a certain life stage it's like, yeah, you have your friendships, but the more important thing is your romantic relationship, getting married, your family, yes. etc. And it's like I think this book was about female friendship first. first. Totally. And then like romantic partnership second. Agreed. Yeah. Kind of like Sex and the City. Yes. Different. Uh, No, I don't think so because I think Sex and the City was all about Carrie's 
like quest so, to oh interesting be with somebody. I, I think I, I see, see it more way, as a friendship. I saw I saw it more about the men were second and the women were first in their lives. Sometimes, but I don't think I don't think that's true about the way it ended necessarily. Interesting. Because like the well, whole I think last as the season, series got on, yeah. the men took on their own yeah. roles. For right. Sure. I think it was more girls, like a little. I never watched through the ending, so really? I yeah, I, I watched like the first the few seasons. So, but I felt like okay, this is what girl the girls are now. A decade later, okay, mm, decade plus, yeah, interesting. Because the characters were, I felt like you know, Rachel was a little bit of a Marnie, and or not Marnie. What's the um. The NYU student one. Shoshana. Oh, Shoshana? Yeah, she okay. was more of a Shoshana, and Sunny was the blonde for sure. Jessa? Yeah. She, yeah. Don't you think she was a yeah, Jessa? Yeah, she's definitely a Jessa. I think they fit more into those mm-hmm. characters for okay. sure. So one thing I want to talk about, so I noticed on Goodreads, so I follow back some of our listeners. Like if anyone ever friends me and I recognize their name from being an active commenter or like yeah. somebody in the Facebook group, I good. I, I accept their friendship. And um. So I noticed that a lot of our listeners who were reading along with this rated the book like two or three stars. And I thought that was so interesting because everyone in my real life who I've like pawned this book off on, like I got my friend Rachel to read it, my friend Allie read it, like everyone I've been like, read this. Everyone has loved it. And I loved it. Like I want to say that it's probably like a strong four and a half stars for me. Really? I think so. I just think it was such an interesting take on female friendship. And I think it was like really well done. I think if you're reading that, if you read 12 books a a year and this is your October book, that you're that this is the only thing you're going to read. I think you're going to be disappointed. Interesting, because there there's no plot, right? But and I, I don't think the always cover read lends itself books to... for a plot. Like, did you oh, read yeah, Fleischman I only is got in Trouble? No, not yet. Because like Fleischman, but frankly, on Goodreads, nothing but Harry Potter has like five stars. So okay, it, I don't use. I Goodreads feel like out of principle, three point seven is as close to good as you're going to get on there. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's rare. If a book it's is like above a four point five, oh my it's god, an excellent. Or book. it means that nobody's read it. It means that like four people have read it. True, true. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was really wondering where I was like, what about this book means that I has made it that I like it so much, and other people had like a negative reaction to it. You have to have a connection to New York to I think get more of the the plot because there is no plot and. Again, this is just my personal opinion. There is a technically a plot, but it's not a plot-driven book. And so much of the nuance comes from having a career in New York. And I related to a lot of that having had one and left. It was a very New York-y book. It was – and I thought the portrayal of New York – you know how sometimes when you read a book and you're like, oh, yeah, this person has been to New York once or this this person lived in New York 20 years ago. It was like a very spot-on portrayal of – Today, New York. I thought so, too. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah, I was wondering if the other factor was what we were talking about earlier, where it's like whether you stayed close with your friends and you have these like very long-term friendships yeah, versus not could be another factor. It made me think a lot, and it made me reflect on my own life in many different elements, like mm-hmm. my relationships, my friendships, my career, my geography. Mm-hmm. I was constantly thinking about myself mm-hmm. in a very sunny, self-centered way. And I think that's what I got a lot from the book was because I I basically did so much self-reflecting through through it that it added color that maybe isn't technically on the page. Totally. And I think some of it is like um, if, you t- if you take a really literal reading of this, like everyone in the book is a f- 
barely dislikable person. Yes. And so I think it's like I (laughs) you not being an awful person, but like seeing enough of yourself in these people to be like, even though I know these women, I am these women. Even though I'm not a hundred percent one of them, like even if it's like just ten percent to be like, oh yeah, like I get that. Yeah, you're looking in the mirror a little bit and thinking, "Mm, do I like what I see or no? (laughs) Right. Yeah, I just thought that was really interesting, the kind of spread of reactions to the book. When I kept saying, because I posted on my story that I was going to be guest, guest, guesting? What do you say? Just a guest on the show. Yeah, just a guest. (laughs) They, um, people were, who were following along and reading it too, kept saying, oh, I can't wait to hear what you think because I have a lot of thoughts. And that's how I would sum up the book is that I have a lot of thoughts about it and it's not necessarily about the book. Totally. It's because and, of the book, I have a lot of thoughts. And I think that that is something we've learned makes a good well, book I, I was excited to come because to the I go, oh, I have so much to talk about. We've yeah. read books before that we've really enjoyed and then we have nothing, nothing to say about yeah. them other than Liked other it. than like, it was great. I feel good like book. this was a good conversation <laughs> book. Yeah. I'm glad I did this one and not the other one because I would have been like, nope. <laughs> well, <laughs> silent. Yeah. I think this could also be really interesting as a book club book with a book club of your friends. Because I – well, oh or maybe that it could be, be really disastrous yeah. to them be like, do you remember when you did that thing 10 years ago? Oh, now that You're we're totally talking the about this. Of the group. Yeah. yeah. Maybe you know. do it with strangers. Yeah. Maybe do it with strangers. But like I like a book that there's a lot of meat to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do totally. Too. I get that. Yeah. yeah this I mean, I hated one. Three Women and I was so glad I read it because – I have a lot to say about it. A lot of our listeners didn't like it either. I loved it, but I listened to your podcast on it just yeah. because I wanted to hear a different perspective. And yeah, should we leave it there? I think we should. I think that this was a great conversation. Thanks for coming on, Carly. Guys, thanks so much for having me. I'm always available. I will get my car or take the train. Did you drive here? Or no, you took the train. I only took the train because it's going to be a long drive back yes. rush hour. So. Yes. So, guys, make sure you tune in tomorrow for our bonus episode with Carly where we're not talking about books. We're talking about her. Yes. Woo. I can't wait. Woo. All right. Grace, I had so much fun with Carly. I I can't wait for her bonus episode tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. The bonus episode is full of juiciness. I don't know how else to put it. It's great. She really opened up. Well, so Carly told us um, (laughs) – She's so funny. A few months ago when we had already – lined her up to do an episode with us. She was like, we're going to make this your most downloaded episode ever. She was like, I will talk about anything. No topic is off limits. She's like, I will talk about Caroline Calloway. I will talk about sex. I will talk about my house. I will." She was like, I will talk about everything. And, I was, she, and she yeah, did. And she did. She delivered on that. So I can't wait. So, I hope you guys love today's episode, but also tomorrow's episode is worth coming back for. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. But let's talk more about us. Yes. Becca, what are you obsessed with right now? Okay, I have two things. So the first thing is I was re-listening to the Cindy Crawford episode, and she really nailed home how important exfoliating is. Yeah. And I'm not a super diligent exfoliator. I'm not great at skincare. I like to moisturize, and that's about it. Anyway. um, I'm shaking my head over here. I know. I think a lot of skincare is bullshit. A lot of it is, but you do need to exfoliate because there's all those dead skin cells. So it hit home with me and I was like, okay, I need to exfoliate. So I had sitting around um, 
a container of the Indie Lee Gentle Daily Peel Pads. I love those. And so they are in like a tub and there's like their little like cotton rounds that have chemical like, exfoliant on them. They're like Stridex pads, but like organic and amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love them. Yeah. I, I love anything that reminds me of a Stridex pad. Interesting. I feel like I'm reliving my youth. I think the other thing that I like about them is I am very good with a routine, but I am not good with things that you have to do sporadically. So I feel like with some exfoliators, you're only supposed to use them three times a week. And so I'm kind of like all or nothing. And so because these are gentle, which first of all, I have sensitive skin, so it's nice that it's gentle, but you can use them every day. So now I'm just like, oh, take off my makeup use the exfoliator, put on moisturizer, where I'm like, I can put it in my routine instead of having it be like, oh, did you do that extra thing? Yeah, that makes sense. So that's one of my things. The second thing is I am kind of on a quest right now, and I'm obsessed with this conceptually more than I've cracked the code. So um, we're recording this right before we go to Atlanta, and um, I realized last night that I am out of mascara or not that I'm out of it but that like both of my daytime mascaras are kind of like gross okay and um the Sephora and Williamsburg is like a fake Sephora it's not a fake Sephora it's just like a mini Sephora so they don't have everything oh I love it there I think they have so many good brands they do but they so for instance I like the Wander Beauty mascara they don't carry it there oh okay um so my daytime mascara so I've also been getting a lot of DMs talking about what is daytime versus nighttime mascara. Do you have two mascaras? Obviously. Okay. So Well, I have like seven mascaras if you want to be honest. Right. But do you differentiate? Yeah. Like for day, I like something like a Glossier Lash Slick. And then for night, I like my Shansakai because it's very – it gives like more dramatic lashes. Right. So I need a new day mascara specifically. And so I put something up on my Instagram story last night asking about drugstore mascaras because I didn't realize about – this about myself, but apparently I'm very uppity when it comes to mascara. I have used Prestige mascara since I was a teenager. I've used Dior Show and, you know, other like name brandy mascaras. Mm-hmm. I never got into drugstore mascara. Grace, the amount of messages I got about drugstore mascaras is shocking. People love it. So, so okay. So the number one recommended was definitely L'Oreal Lash Paradise. Mm-hmm. Not surprising. That felt very nighttimey to me okay. based on the pictures online. So I, I went to Dwayne Reed today and I was going to just get one, but then I was like, research. So I got three. You're basically a beauty blogger now. I'm not. I'm just somebody who likes to spend money. <laughs> or that. So I got three. I got the CoverGirl Clump Buster one. I got the Maybelline Soft and Easy one, Soft and Something. And then I got the Maybelline Sensational one. Okay. So I tried two out of three on this afternoon. I don't. I took them off. I don't have. Okay. Them I'm on like, now. your lashes look like you have no makeup on. So I, no, I do have no makeup. Okay. On. Good. I was um, like, don't use that one. Rude. <laughs> um, so I tried on two of them, and I, I'm reserve. I need to do more testing before I figure out which one I like. But I was expecting way more of a difference between prestige mascara and drugstore mascara. No, I was like, oh, wow, like this is fine. I could definitely use this all the time. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that – I mean, I do have the Shansakai one. I was going to say, Grace, I was like, you don't have no. anything to add here. You use $72 I actually mascara. Do. I worked for Procter & Gamble and 
I was very loyal to CoverGirl mascara for a long time because my old boss came from CoverGirl. I was on the fragrance team, and he explained that the technology, the value in mascara is really the brush and all the research that they put into the brush, and that most formulas are like pretty similar. And so, besides the Shansakai one, and besides Lash Slick, I pretty much always use drugstore mascara. Except for the seventy-two dollars. No, one. I know, and I was I bought that one at Blue Mercury when I did a sponsor. Have you post bought a them. second one yet? Or are you no. just using deeply expired mascara? I've had it. Oh, I guess I've had it a while. I've had it like seven or eight months. I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't still use it. I love I love it though, and I'm going to use it until it runs out. Um, okay, but anyway, I'm just. So my obsession is not necessarily one of these mascaras. My obsession is with the idea of making the switch to drugstore mascara. I think that's great. I was shocked. I went today to the drugstore and I was like, there are so many options. The Dwayne Reed on Bedford has a huge makeup department. You sound like someone who's never shopped the drugstore. I never do. I don't. I've shopped um, drugstore hair and drugstore skin stuff, but I never buy drugstore makeup. Interesting. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I used to, like, I mean, when I was in high school, my aunt and I always used to go to Sephora. It was like something we really liked to do together. And so I just, my whole life, I've just used brands that are sold at Sephora because of that. And and so now I'm kind of like looping back. And I'm like, oh. Interesting. Okay. I mean, I just have always loved playing with beauty. So I, I'm, I will shop everywhere. Well. Even if I'm buying Advil, it's like, let's see what's new. Well. Yeah. Maybe I'm a convert. I like this for you. What about you? Um, mine is something that's very bougie. It's the Borghese hand masks. And like full disclosure, Borghese is a sponsor of the podcast, but they sent us all this product to try. And I love their hand masks. Now, They're, what's what's a hand mask? I'm picturing like the paraffin thing. No, it's a glove. And it, you got some. It's I a glove. Used it. And in, inside of it is like basically the stuff that would be in a sheet mask. So you it comes and it the stuff all goes all, all over your hands. You leave your hands in the glove for 25 minutes. For me, it's wonderful while I'm watching TV because it forces me to sit and watch whatever program it is and not fiddle with my phone because I can't. Can I ask you a question mm-hmm. logistically about this? Yeah. Where do you put your hands? Because aren't they like like wet on the outside? No. So it's a glove, and the stuff is all inside. Oh, so it's not permeable. No, yeah. Because I'm thinking of like a, a face mask. It's not messy at all. Oh, it's wonderful. So they sell. I think it's a three pack. I love it. I actually just reached out to the brand today. I was like, "Could I get more?" Because they're wonderful. Like it's the best TV activity. I'm also like super self conscious of my hands. They look pretty good right now because I've been moisturizing them a lot. Yeah, they look fine. But um, my hands get really dry, and I feel like they oh, look my really hands look old. awful right now because I never use hand cream. Um, hand cream and hand masks. Do the hand mask when you get home. You're gonna love it. I feel like I'm somebody that is gonna get hit with aging really hard because I'm so minimalist when it comes to so beauty one, stuff. Sometimes one day you'll wake up and you'll just like. Look 10 years older. Maybe. Either that or like I really have to step it up. But I'm exfoliating now. That's good. Exfoliate your hands too. Well, one thing at a time. One thing, one thing at, at a time. time. Um, so I love these hand masks. We have a code – like this is not an ad, but we have a code from our ad, which is BOP25 if you want to get them at Borghese. Oh, I'm going to – well, I, I have some 
calls later, so I need to type. But once I'm done with things, I'm going to try one. Yeah. I, I like, I can't say enough good things. It's not messy at all. That's what I thought. I was like, I don't want this. It's messy. And then it's, it's all enclosed in like this little glove. I was kind of picturing you with Frankenstein arms, just like arms out, yeah. like you can't touch anything. No, like I'll be like with my gravity blanket and I'll have the hand mask on. It's wonderful. I've never tried a sheet mask for for your hands. Frankly, I've never done didn't a hand know they exist. No, it's like so bougie. You know what I'm gearing up to do? What? Once we finish our shows, I'm going to um, baby foot peel my feet. Oh, I got to do that. You know who has one is um, Beauty Pie. Oh, I get mine on Amazon. I use the Smile Foot Peel. It's like 10 bucks. It's great. Yeah, that's the one I use too. But I was like, oh, if Beauty Pie has it, I'm just going to use that. Oh, well, I'm going to use this Amazon one. But mm-hmm. I need to – because the – the baby foot peel, it like it peels all the skin off your feet. And so it's kind of fascinating, but it's like it's kind of like Elmer's glue it, where like you're you basically like molt off your skin. Like layers of your foot fall off. So I, I have to wait until after we're done with our shows. So I'm not like accidentally like molting my feet off in Dallas because I timed it incorrectly. Oh, my God. Like sheets of dead skin off are coming off of your feet on, into the audience. Also, I feel like it takes up so much of my time because I can't stop picking at and playing with my feet when I do it. Oh, I just put socks on and just let it do. Oh, my God. I think it's so fun to peel it off. Oh, what about on Instagram? Okay. So um, we had our DC live show a couple of weeks ago. And one of the guests was somebody who Grace was internet friends with, had never met in real life, and was one of our guests. And I'm obsessed with her. She's awesome. So her name is Allison, and her Instagram is wardrobe underscore oxygen. And she's a fashion blogger. And I think her tagline is like fashion for grown ass women. And I don't even care about the fashion aspect of it because I I think we have somewhat different styles and lives. She was wearing like a great white pantsuit. Oh my God, I loved her pantsuit. I think it was Zara. But like I'm obsessed with her as a person. Mm-hmm. I love her. I want to be her friend. I Well, I mean, I want to move to DC. Not really, but like just to like hang out with her. No, she's great. So ever since our live show, I'm like obsessively stalking her in a in a weird way. Yeah, no, I like her a lot. What is your Instagram obsession? So I did a big purge. I unfollowed over 500 people because I was following 1,700 people and I was like, this is crazy. That's too many. I would like to get it down to under 1,000, but I don't know if I can because I I always like, I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Like, it's just, it's not personal. It's just like, I want my feed to be things that I like really love seeing. Do you know the other thing I hate about following too many people is that then the algorithm starts to select for you. Like you never yeah. reach the end. So then you miss people's content where, you know, like people that you do care about post about something and you're like, oh, like I missed my friend um, announced that she was pregnant and she doesn't post on Instagram very much. So like maybe she, that's why she didn't show up in my algorithm. And I saw her in real life and I was like, oh my God, you're pregnant. And she's like, yeah, I like put it on Instagram like two weeks ago. And I was like, oh, missed that. That's so – that's the worst. Yeah, I follow way too many people. I'm still trying to narrow it down, but it's hard. My um, obsession this week, though, is Goodbye Crop Top. So she is a 50-year-old blogger. I mean, she's in phenomenal shape, but she um, – I just like her. So is she wearing crop tops or she's anti-crop top? Um, I think she wears some crop tops, actually. So she's 50 years old. I think she's a model. Um, well, she's in a bikini in one picture. But she just, like, looks so good, and I just really like her. I can't, like, describe it any more than that. But 
she's, I mean, she kind of reminds me a little bit of like a young Lauren Hutton. She's so pretty. Oh, yeah. She does look like Lauren Hutton. Yeah. So this is absolutely not what I expected the content to be like based on the handle Goodbye Crop Top. Yeah. Yeah. No, she just, she's like a little bit older. I think I'm trying to just like follow more diverse accounts. Like I cannot follow another like, sorry, like I know this is kind of similar to me, but like another thin white blogger with barrel curls like where everyone looks the same and everyone's wearing the same over the knee boots so i've just been trying to follow like a little bit more of a diverse group of bloggers and when i found her i was like oh i love her well i i just followed her yeah we'll see yeah i like her a lot what about on the reading front (sighs) on the reading front so i finished i'll never tell and I was about to, to DNF it, to use the term that we just learned about, um, and I stuck with it because I really like the author, Catherine McKenzie, and I'm really glad that I kept going with it because I really did end up enjoying it, and the ending was really good. Then I started Get a Life, Chloe Brown, and I really just started that, but I'm reviewing it for Book of the Month. I think it's one of their November picks, and so I want to I, – I, I obviously have to read that and write a glowing or not-so-glowing review for it. Okay. Yeah. What about you? So I started Throne of Glass by Sarah J. Moss. Everyone has been telling us to read these. And well, I guess when I say I started it, I finished the book, but it's a seven book series, I think, or eight books. So this is one of those books that I feel like always comes up. People are obsessed with it. We have an episode next week with Eva Chen, and when we were recording with Eva, she said it was one of her top three books. And I went home that night, and I was like, "God, I gotta, I gotta listen to this, or I gotta read this." Yeah, whatever the verb is. And um, I okay, so I feel like this is going to be an unpopular opinion. So I got it. I was pretty unsold for the first two hundred and fifty pages. Oh wow. And I was like, everyone is so hyped on this. I don't think that this is for me. It's like an epic fantasy dystopian situation. I think I would compare it to a cross between The Hunger Games and Game of Thrones, maybe. Okay. And um, I was not super into it. But then I got really into it for the last like 100 pages. And so now I feel like I'm on a precipice where I'm like, do I keep going? Like, do I want to commit to an eight-book series or do I just, like, call it a day here? So I haven't decided yet. We're going to Atlanta tomorrow. So I'm obviously – I don't have the second book, so I'm not going to read it. Yeah. I'm going to read something else. But I'm very conflicted. I feel like there's, like, a hint of magic in the first book. And okay. I'm like, oh, is there going to be more magic? Because I love anything having to do with magic. So I was like, oh, do I keep going? I don't know. If you've read them – and I mean, I feel like everyone who's read them, their opinion is like, it's so good. So I don't know if that's going to be helpful, but is the second book better than the first book? We're going to find out. I don't know. Seven books just sounds like such a commitment. I mean, it does, but I love a series. Like, I love getting totally sucked in to a series. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned to find out if Becca does it. So that's what we've got for you. We already announced our November book, so if you need something to read, get a head start. Be the teacher's pet. I'm the teacher. It's We Came Here to Forget by Andrea Dunlop. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. I read it in like 18 hours, like something crazy. 
it's a very interesting blend of things because it's kind of a rom-com in there's two plot lines mm-hmm. and like one of them is kind of a rom-com about it's a not woman how I would describe it at listen all. about a woman who moves to Argentina and falls in with this expat scene and they're all tango dancers like it is kind of like but she has a very dark past so then you're also trying to figure out what happened in her past that she like invented a new name and like went and lived in another country clearly this book appealed to both of us for very different reasons because i was like oh this is so dark and it's so it's such a great thriller i'm on the edge of my seat and need to know what happened save it for the book club episode yes anyway read it we both read it in 24 hours apparently we like different parts of it yeah um yeah but in the meantime come hang out with us in the facebook group to talk about books Tell us what you thought about this book because I feel like this was a controversial. Yeah, it was pretty divisive. Controversial book. Um, follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm on Instagram at Becca M. Freeman. I'm on Instagram at Grace Atwood and my blog is thestripe.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.